For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to 4th Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of 4th Down University, a company focused on the training and development of specialists and coaches. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, Bet Online has the latest odds and news and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, check out Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Episode 38 of the podcast welcomes Bob Chesney, the head football coach at the College of Holy Cross. Chesney began his head coaching career at Solve Regime University in 2010 in his first year he led Solve to a 6-4 record, snapping a streak of eight losing seasons. In 2013, Chesney was named head coach at Assumption College, and in 2015, he led the Greyhounds to an 11-2 record. Chesney was named the Northeast 10 Coach of the Year, the New England Football Writers Coach of the Year, and the Hero Sports Division II National Coach of the Year. In 2018, Chesney was named head football coach at Holy Cross, where he enters his fourth season this fall. In 2019, Chesney led Holy Cross to the school's first Patriot League championship in 10 years and the third NCAA FCS berth in program history. Chesney was then named the Patriot League Coach of the Year after posting a 5-1 record in conference play to tie the school's single-season record for Patriot League victories. Under his guidance, Holy Cross has won back-to-back Patriot League championships and produced 35 all-conference selections. It's the longest introduction I've had in podcast history, but I think it was worthy of it. Uh, <laughs> Bob, Bob, it's a pleasure, man. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm doing really, really well. I appreciate you taking the time to do you know, some of that research. It's always, I think, difficult to, to sit here and listen to people talk that way, but uh, I appreciate you doing it. Yeah, and I, I apologize if I butchered Sov Regime, but I, I will be honest, I did have to actually look up the phonetic pronunciation of Sov Regime because I didn't want to butcher it, and I did anyway because yeah, like, I saw your reaction to it. it. Well, it's Salve Regina University is, is what it is, um, oh. but that's all right, man. It's all right. It was, uh, you know, not a lot of people had heard about it, um, you know, and then within a, a, a three years, we became one of the top 25 in the country, and you know, I think uh, had a nice little run there. Beautiful place, Newport, Rhode Island. If you've never been, it's uh, it's certainly worthwhile. Uh, I think, you know, in the end, we all, you know, we'll call a place home somewhere down the line. And that's a place right now that's just hard to hard to compete with in my mind. I, I, my both uh, older daughters were born there and uh, just a special, special place in, in my heart. 
in doing the research, there was an aerial shot when I was trying to find the correct pr pronunciation. I, I really couldn't believe how gorgeous it was. It looked fake. It looked like a destination to go to like a summer vacation, you know? No question. That's how it kind of started back in the day. There's a the Vanderbilts and some of these very, you know, high profile families had uh, giant mansions on the cliff overlooking the ocean. And one of those was donated to Salve Regina University. Started off as an all girls school. And then, um, you know, it ended up being, you know, uh, co-ed and, and uh, now have a great football team there. Well, we're going to talk about, I could have gone back to as early as 2000 with your coaching experience at the next level um, in reference to college football, but we're going to talk about uh, you uh, more as a head coach. And I want to talk about your winning streak. You, you've won everywhere you've been. And uh, we'll talk about there first you know you walked into a program with eight consecutive losing seasons and that had to have been difficult and uh i believe personally coach that that you do win with people i don't care how good of a head coach you are everywhere you have one i think you can attest that you were surrounded by good players good coaches good administration and a school that supported your 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 culture can you explain what you and who you look for when you recruit coaches and players who are the essential pieces to building a winning team? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I often talk about it because it's a question that comes up is, you know, how do you win? You know, and I think the, the best way to, to win is to stop losing. Right. And I think uh, very, <laughs> very often um, a lot of it's self-inflicted very often, um, you know, it's things that are within your control and maybe you, uh, have a negative spin or a negative outlook on it. And it puts you in a position where it seems so uh, impossible to overcome. And I think we often focus on the negatives. And when we take a moment to focus on the positives, I think you start to realize just, you know, how good we might have it in uh, many different situations. There was a lot at Salve that was really challenging. The, the field was three miles off campus. There was no locker room at the field. We shared, it was actually on the, uh, on the, campus of a middle school and they had the rights to the field over us. So we would go to practice at 6 a.m. and we had to be off by eight because at 801 they had a free period where these, you know, seven and 10 year olds would come running out on the field and it was their field. So 90 guys had to leave and watch these kids come out and play jump rope. But it was part of it. And it was just stuff that we had to, you know, just really had to deal with. So we had to find the positives in it. But again, I, I think you're um, you know, the, the, to me, it's finding people you know, that are passionate about this, you know, people that have, are excitable and, and people, uh, I think in the end that, um, you know, really want to be around each other, right? That I think back to my dad was a, a longtime high school football coach in Pennsylvania. And when I started to reflect a little bit and thought about his best programs and his best teams throughout the years, I was like, what makes that thing work? And when I went back, it really was a true, you know, love for the other people on the team, right? It was, a, they liked being around each other. They loved being around each other. And that I think, you know, sort of leads to your willingness to do just about anything for one another. And, and that, that full team uh, concept is something that is really tough, you know, today, especially as social media and name, image, and likeness things are coming out and the things it, it starts to become you running your own, you know, business. Um, and I think that's, that's always going to be a challenge. But when I think back then that that's what the best teams, you know, had, and that's something I've been trying to replicate for some, some period of time, we have three things we really talk about. And I think this transcends football, but, you know, positive attitude, attention to detail and urgency, those three things to me, 
you know, one day me and a, a few of our coaches sat down and said, what makes a great player, a great player. And we started talking about, there's so many negative situations that we probably find ourselves in. So staying positive. So, you know, a positive attitude was number one, right? The attention to detail was number two, right? Being able to have an attention to detail. And then the third is uh, making sure you do it with urgency. Cause I think if you flip that on its head and you look at the adverse of those three, um, you know, if you don't pay attention to the little things, uh, you're probably not going to be very good at much, right? If you're always negative, you know, you're probably not going to be good at very much. And if you do everything in sort of a half-assed, you know, laissez-faire type attitude, you're also probably not going to be good at very much. So to me, you know, attention, detail, positive attitude, urgency, those things are really, that's life though. I don't think that's football. I think that's life. Anything that you're going to do, you know, you, you do it with everything you got, right? Attention, detail, positive attitude, urgency. That's that's what we talk about. And that's what I really look for in, in our players and our coaches. And, um, you know, and finding that is not the easiest thing to do, but that's where we put the premium on. I love it. And I, I the feedback I get from this show a lot is most often like surprise, you know, from people. Uh, and I'm going to use you an example. What we're going to get is it's very simple. You know, uh, people expect that guys that have your track record in so many different places and as you're ascending in levels, uh, it's no different because you kept the same approach and you kept it simple. And I think that uh, your attitude, it permeates through the rest of the organization or the team or, or the structure or the culture. And it has to be positive because no doubt. And we just talked in pre-recording, you know, we're still dealing with some of the COVID things and guess what COVID in, in a year's time, it may be old history, but there's going to be a new problem that comes up. And we're all going to have to deal with it. And I think the people that, that rise to the top are the people that handle it with a positive attitude. And then, like you said, they're meticulous and they're going to attack the, the weakness. Okay. If, if, if we're not resilient in every facet, where are we weak? And you identify that, you know, and through your resiliency and then you make it urgent. It's, it's definitely, this is the urgency. This is the problem or these are the two problems or three or whatever it may be. Once you identify those weaknesses, you, you attack them with urgency and, and, and collectively we get through this together and you're right. It, it seems simple and all, all those things aren't an elaborate thought, but they're not attacked. They're not executed very well. Um, and that's why there's winners and that's why there's losers. So I really appreciate that because no, it wasn't probably any new information that no one's heard before, but it's, it, it's definitely something to be heard again to say that, you know, it can be done and it will be done by those who want to win. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing too is as coaches, we have our ideas, right. Of what, how we want a program to look and run and, and what we, what's maybe worked in the past, but unfortunately, you know, in my past one, I've gotten called to a a new opportunity. Uh, The team's usually not been very good. Right. So there's, you know, that's why I say just stop losing first. Right. So I think, you know, as, as a head coach, the ability to come in and listen is not the easiest thing to do because you're ready to put your mark on this program and you're ready to change everything. And, but if you don't listen to what's sort of the ills at that moment, it's really hard to cure them. Right. And I think maybe, you know, the way it worked at Salve is not the same as the way it worked at Assumption, which is not the same as how it worked at Holy Cross. So even though there's a, there's sort of the backbone, you know, or the foundation that exists and those three principles, there's so many other things that were different at each of those stops. So I really don't think there's a, a magic bullet or a secret potion. I think it's, if there is one, it's the ability to listen. Um, 
throw out your own ideas, ideals of what you think and how you think it should be done and, and find out what's sort of ailing them at that moment and then build a plan together on how to cure it. Uh, and then I think that also becomes one of your first elements of, you know, first exercises in trust. You know, when they say they don't like this that's been done and they find it a, a detriment to the program and you eliminate it, then they go, damn, this guy is new. He's, you know, had the ability to win at some places, but he also listens. Like now you're already, you know, on the, on the way to, uh, to fixing some things together, right? Not just me and not just the staff, but all of us together. And I think that's really, that's the most important. Amen. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, flexibility and, and I, listening is, is hard. It's hard to do, you know, and one of my favorite quotes is, you know, we have two eyes and one mouth. It, mm. sh- it should be pretty proportionate to that. As far as the way you communicate, you should listen more. Yep. Um, and that's what good leaders do, right? That's how we make the best decisions. Yep. So thank you for that. Um, speaking of winners, I see you were a special teams coordinator at King's College in 2003 and 2004. Yeah. I'd like to talk to you about what you learned from this experience and maybe how it changed your perception moving forward all the way to now on special teams. Yeah, well, before that, when I was at Norwich University, my first job ever in, in 2000, I was charged with coaching the punters and the kickers. And I remember, uh, you know, I was, a, I was like our backup punter I held on, on uh, you know, for field goals. Uh, and I was like a third string long snapper or something. So I, I was kind of dabbled in all of it. But then when they said, you're going to coach punters and kickers, uh, I remember saying, I don't know a single thing about punters or kickers. And I remember the head coach saying, you think I do? Nobody does. Just tell them to kick and, and they'll be fine. Right. <laughs> and I remember thinking that just doesn't, that doesn't sound like that's, going to work for me. I think I need to know a little more about it. And I bought this book. I bought this book by uh, Renner was the guy's name. And uh, I think it was called like kicking the football or something. And every single night before I went to bed, I'd read a little bit. I want to read too much. I want to get too far ahead that I couldn't comprehend it, couldn't hold on to it and then go exercise it the next day. What I would do is I'd take that book. I'd read a little bit. I'd highlight some things. And then I would go before our staff meeting, I think it was at seven o'clock. I'd go down at like 6.15. I'd take about 45 minutes and go through what I just learned. And surprisingly, I started to be able to do some things. And I was like, damn, if I could do this, I wonder if, you know, how much I, how effective I could be in, in coaching it. Um, and then from there, like the, the rest was realistically history as far as, you know, specialists were concerned. We took a kid that was a fullback and I think he became an all-conference punter right away. We had a uh, kicker that went on, I think, to become an All-American, a kid from down in Florida. Um, then the next place we went, there was an All-American punter. And then we went to uh, Kings, and the kid was very, very good at Kings. And then it went to Hopkins, and there were two guys that broke all the records. And, you know, and then went to Salva and just keep moving it forward. You know, Assumption had Cole Tracy. Now we have a really, really good kicker in, in Derek King. Um, you know, and I just think that was stuff to me that I had no idea about. But when you start to learn about it, it started to sort of become, you know, that third side of the coin, right? Like every time about offense, defense, you're like, well, let's talk about the special teams thing a little bit here and just how important this is. So again, I was not the coordinator, but I would think I was charged with assisting on one of the teams at Norwich. But when I got to Kings, I was that. And the thing that the guys at Kings did such a good job of, they were really detailed. And if you were going to run a drill, one drill on that field, you needed to have it typed up. You need to have where everybody stands. You need to have, you know, what coaches are doing. What, what is the coaching point? What is the equipment you need? You were never going on that field without spending, you know, a ton of time drafting that drill or whatever it might be, 
meeting about it with the staff and then getting on the field. And that was really important to me because I had to build an entire playbook, then, right. Of, of special teams. That was my first sort of uh, introduction into it. And then when I left uh, there, I went to Johns Hopkins. I was a special teams coordinator as well. And then I went to Salve and I was the special teams coordinator and defensive coordinator as the head coach were doing it all a little bit. And then uh, same thing at assumption. And then that's where I met Drew Kanan. Um, who uh, I think you had a chance to talk to one of those days, just but a phenomenal special teams mind and just such a great football coach, period. And then he's come over with us to Holy Cross. So, you know, we've grown together and, uh, and, and we've had some opportunities to learn from higher levels and visit with schools. And I'd spend a lot of my time, you know, when I go to see these schools or pro programs uh, with special teams, just because I feel like that's that's something to me that um, I've just seen so many games won or lost by it. And, and I just want to make sure that, uh, hopefully we can be on the winning side of that, you know, as, as we move forward. Amen. And I will say that I'll credit you. I, in COVID, you know, we had to respond all of us. And my response to it was to establish a better rapport with people like you. Uh, so I started to really start getting on zoom and just talking special teams with predominantly QCs and special teams coordinators, but there was a head coach of a college football program that was receptive to my DM and that was you. And I was like, wow, this is a head coach. I get to talk to an HC of a college today. And you were probably the most passionate of all of them about getting better in this third. And it got, it got so awesome that you're like, you mind if I bring on my punter and we, you know, we ran over his film and we might've talked about, I don't know, three punting reps for, for 50 or 60 minutes one day. And I was like, this, this is truly, I don't know that this is why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, so yeah. I, I want to thank you for that time that we had, because not only was I giving back to what I'm passionate about, and that's obviously the punters and kickers and snappers, but I also get to, to get a head coach uh, involved in the learning process to oversee it. Because, you know, I think that when there's three people in a room, they're talking about one person, it's better than two. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that time. It really meant a lot. And it's honestly started a relationship between us and, I'm thankful for it. Yeah, no question. And I am as well. I mean, you took a ton of time to help. And, um, you know, I think any time I have an opportunity to talk special teams and football in general, and it, honestly, leadership and life in general, I'm, I'm excited about it. So, um, you know, I thought there was there was a ton in there. We helped Pat quite a bit and, and he's done a great job, you know, up to this point. Yeah. I'd like you as a head coach to talk about your expectations, what a typical week is like for a Holy Cross specialist, uh, perhaps the field time, um, both with the team, with in indie settings, maybe a weight room, an academic, like how is their their game week structured in the fall? Yeah, so, you know, for us, we you go to game day, you know, start there and and they do what they do on, on game day, right? You, you learn a lot about them in, in the heat of the moment. Um, you you kind of learn, you know, if your drills are working, right? You know, when pressure's on the line and it's the most important punt of the game, you know, how does that kid execute at that moment? And what does he look like when he's walking out onto that field? What does he look like as he's walking back off of that field? And just, you know, where were you deficient as a coach, you know, as far as his confidence and, and the things of that nature when he walks out there, I think that tells you and gives you instant feedback um, on if you're applying enough pressure, you know, throughout the week, you know, as, as much realistic pressure as you can, but then fast forward to Sunday and we'll, we'll take a look and just say, uh, review all the clips, right, of, of that punts and, and field goals and just see where we where we were successful and where we weren't. 
and then try to build a little bit of a plan for the week on, you know, what we need to adjust, you know, this week moving forward. Uh, if they don't get a lot of reps, you know, we, we are in the weight room on Sunday and then there's a little bit of conditioning on Sunday, but if they don't get a ton of reps, then we'll be in the indoor and we'll, we'll make sure we add a couple reps onto that. Monday's a day off. And then we come out on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, every day starts with a 10 minute specialist block. All right. So that specialist block, usually, you know, they have to be out there already. We had a two o'clock meeting on special teams, and then they're out there on the field about an hour and a half later. In the meantime, they're getting stretched. They're doing some, you know, prehab stuff. They're doing a bunch of stuff in the training room. And then they're out on the field before everybody else, because when we blow the whistle and say specialists, we're kicking the ball. So they have to be warmed up already. They have to do some of that on their own. And I have to trust that they could do some of that on their own. If I could get out there with them a little bit earlier, I will do that. But the specialist period, if I'm unsure of where they're at, we'll just start with a couple little backspin punts, right? Trying to take a little bit off their leg and actually have our returners who are not warm yet either. Just work on, you know, catching that or at the five yard line, letting it go over their head and just trying to limit the volume on the leg of the punter and the volume on the, on the returner until they start to get more warm. Then we back it up a little more. Uh, we just continue to back it up and get the full leg swing. Long snaps in there, right? Those guys warm up on their own and then jump in together. Um, and at the same time, we'll be doing some just sort of like 30-yard kickoffs, right? Just something nice and easy again for the kicker to get, get a little bit loose, as well as executing the field goal battery, the long snap, the hold, and the kick. So we'll do all these things, you know, in that 10 minute block, but they're already pretty warm, but they're, we're easing them into it. Uh, after we get through stretch and after we get through the next couple of things, we end up going to a five minute last second field goal period, which we could drop anywhere in practice. We usually put it on the front end. Sometimes we'll have two huddles of two kickers kicking, uh, but we're really working on the full field goal. Uh, you know, full field goal, uh, not only the, the, the battery and the protection, right? And then after that, so there's already 15 minutes of, of some special teams. We'll run on to the sideline, last second field goal, or run on from the sideline, run off and teach them how to do that properly so they're not running into each other, coming and going and all the little intricacies of that. We'll put them on the far hash where, he, you know, the clock's running and he can't get set up and he's got to run out and just find his spot. Like we're, we're working all these things um, in that little five minute block, right? Then after that, we'll go to whatever we go to uh, individually or pursuit drills or whatever it might be. And then we'll come back to an eight minute punt period. And in there we're working, you know, a lot of the protection gunners will usually be downfield. So their volume is limited, but they're working on, you know, how to properly vice the football uh, at that period. But we'll go a five yard cover, a 10 yard cover for this is all everybody in the protection. And then we'll bring the gunners back and we'll do a full cover. So each, the first team gets those three reps, the twos get those three reps and we're constantly changing the pressure. Sometimes we'll put an extra guy out there in the in in the protection just to make sure it's something we'll never see. We make it as difficult as we possibly can on Tuesday, uh, and that's our punt period. And then after our punt period, we'll go into kickoff on Tuesday. So kickoff, you know, that's really almost the only time we'll go full leg with these guys. We don't ask them to do a ton of true kickoffs. And if it's raining, we'll never ask them to kick that ball, a heavy, you know, rain-soaked ball, you know, off the tee. We'd rather throw that than, than end up kicking that. Uh, but those are our two, you know, eight minute blocks. And then at the end, we usually end with uh, a conditioning segment based on the punter or field goal kicker, right? So we'll, we call them punt downs, but we'll tell him he's got to pin the ball inside the 10 yard line outside the hash, you know, and, and it, it has to stay in there or the gunner has to down it in there. 
and it'll be bait. I'll just say the number's five. They need to get five good ones. And if they don't do that, the whole team's running until we do. So it could be a, you know, a one minute period. It could be a 30 minute period, whatever it might be is it is what it is. There's no, you know, bailing them out of it. They got to finish the kick. And, and I make sure everybody's around them pretty tight, screaming and yelling and, you know, making sure we're applying that pressure at the end of practice. Um, that's the team stuff. I'll get into the individual stuff a little bit later here because there's a lot of time in between that I just talked about that they're on their own. So that's, you know, kind of how we do it on Tuesday, Wednesday, it all repeats, but now we do punt rush and kickoff return, right? So uh, we'll do our punt block scheme and then we'll do the kick return scheme. And uh, again, the kickers might kick there or they may not. We may throw the ball depending on how they feel. I really leave a lot of this up to them. Like I do not want to force anybody into kicking seven kickoffs in a row when the kid just doesn't feel right. We need him to be good on Saturday and be fresh on Saturday. Uh, but then we'll end that day with field goal downs. So the same as punt, but now it'll be field goal. So we're just, you know, conditioning will be based on either conditioning or not based on, you know, how many field goals, um, you know, we want that kid to make. And we'll just consistently move him around and build a whole tunnel around him and make it as challenging as, as difficult as it can be. Uh, so that's really Tuesday and Wednesday. When we get into Thursday, now we really do every special team. So it's the same thing with specialists and last second field goal, but now we'll do backup punt and we'll punt the field. So we'll work our way down to midfield and we'll flip it and then have our angle punts going in. At what distance is he going to backspin? Where's the wind? Can he backspin? Can he not? All the things that come, you know, come with it. We have one guy that's a little bit better with the backspin to the right and the other guy a little bit better at backspin to the left. So we might use them in different situations, right? So we're trying to find where they're their best and put them in their best, but then have them working on what they're not great at all week long so that their weaknesses can become strengths and their strengths can become elite, right? So that's a lot of what we do there, but we'll do the punt the field, then we'll do the punt rush stuff again, maybe a punt return, then kickoff, kickoff return, hands, onside kick is kind of how we end that Thursday. We're really doing just about everything on the Thursday, some fake punts in there, some trick kicks on kickoff. And then Friday will be a little bit of all of it, but it will never be a full leg punt or a full leg kickoff. It might just be some trick kick passes or a couple sky kicks and things of that nature. But when they get on their own, that's the, that's the one, right? So they have a lot of time on their own. Uh, I can, and I do often go over with them as the head coach, cause I don't have a position uh, that I'm you know, responsible for, but we'll start, you know, with a, a lot of those same things. When we're talking about punt, it'll be a one-step punt that he's working on initially, you know, or drops first, then one step, then drop, you know, basket drops, making sure his drop is again, not too extended his first couple steps. We're trying to, again, just, just keep them, uh, I love what you said on the one talking about gravity, you know, the more he's moving forward, you know, you don't want that. You want him more upright and we want to be able to, to have a, a, you know, clean leg swing through. Um, and they work on their angle punts. They work on backspin. They do those things on their own, but then we incorporate in their jugs, right? Catching the ball off the jugs. We incorporate them, you know, catching the ball around the field goal post to keep the ball away from their body. We'll do a lot of things where they throw to each other as well. Cause there's a couple of fake punts we have that they have to throw. And then we'll go through the whole, um, bad snap drill, right? You know, and just, again, it's a high snap and learning how to, when you're coming down, you just lost a step now. So you can't go through your normal steps. So how to splay their feet on the way down, if they're moved right or left, how to get back in the cylinder to kick. All those things are things they're doing on their own that I'll be there to help them with on the punt day. Um, but then there's the field goal part of it, right? So the field goal part will do, you know, the snap and, and just rapid firing as many snaps as they can be perfect on the spot. Again, we're trying to film everything. Uh, but that's a lot of the stuff, you know, we do with them. Then they're working their one-step field goals. And he's working his 
accuracy kick from the side, trying to hit the upright, because a lot of times the field space is limited for them. So we're working across the back of the end zone. Uh, and then we're trying to chart as much as we can and get as much feedback as we can. Why is he pushing right? Why is he pushing left? Why, where where are you on the right hash? Why where why are you not? Uh, you're too deep on the left hash, and you keep you know your toes up, your toes down. You know all the things that that we identify as issues with each of those guys. You know we're trying to quantify throughout that practice. And then kickoff itself, um, onside kicks, trick kicks, all those things they're also responsible for. So we have a pretty good um, sort of idea of what we want the data look like for them. But in the end, they got to start uh, pretty fast and then they got to finish pretty strong. So there is there is this warm up kind of cool down, warm up, cool down thing that happens. I don't love it. But at the same time, I do love the mental aspect that the end of practice and the pressure situation brings to them. So uh, as long as they can can monitor it and there'll be times it's a little colder out and maybe it will really be, hey, we want to do field goal downs. We want, and, and I might hear from Derek and him go, I'm not, I'm not good. Like I'm not good from outside of like 25 right now. Like I'm just not, I'm not, you know, I didn't do as much. I was trying to rest and my leg, whatever it might be. And that's all fair game. We'll then go into like a long snapper down or punt returner down where the punt returner has got to catch with the whole team running at him, whatever it might be. We'll find ways to, to navigate it. I never want anybody going into game one, you know, feeling run down and, and beat up and tired, right? But I also don't want them going in and not having confidence because they haven't kicked in front of a, a live audience or they haven't kicked in pressure situations. So you're always walking this really fine line with these guys and there's got to be a, a, a large amount of self-awareness. And I do believe that we struck it uh, a really nice, um, a nice balance here with Pat and Derek uh, because they're all, yeah, and our long snapper, Adam, they're all really, really good together. And our long snapper is only a long snapper. Our punter is our holder and Derek is our kicker. So uh, it's really good that they have this time to spend together where it's not a linebacker who happens to be long snapping or, you know, they really have a ton of time together. And I think they use their time wisely. So there's some team stuff that we talked about in there, but then there is the the day-to-day -day breakdown and we're always evolving and, and changing those those drills and, and things that we're looking for them to do. But that's a, a pretty sort of not generic, it, it's descriptive enough, but but it's not all that we do, but it's a pretty good, um, you know, pretty good foundation. Yeah, I think it's leaving no stone unturned. It sounds like you're doing all the situations that can and will occur uh, when it counts and special teams plays are impactful plays that are often catalysts in a game. And it sounds like Monday through Friday with your game day being on Saturday, it sounds like that you cover these situations and that you stress the, the situations that may have not gone so well. It sounds like there's ample opportunity for you to re assess or, or just review something before Saturday that may not have gone perfectly Monday through Friday. Right. Uh, and I, I think the, the thing I will take away from that and I want to share with the specialists listening is that if you're fortunate enough to have a coach like coach Chesney or, 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 or anyone from that matter who, who is taking special teams seriously uh, is to structure around their schedule. If they have a good plan in place with the team, make certain to know when you're expected to perform and, and what's next. So if you have an hour and 15 minute break before, I don't know, pin them, you know, uh, the, the punter should be doing some footwork that's conducive to that, that skill set so he can execute. And then if he still can't execute when asked, I'm sure it'll be less of a problem. We'll find out what the problem is. Whereas some kids will just sit for an hour and like you said, get cold. 
And I think that the specialists need to work with the coaches who are, who are doing a much better job than they were 20 years ago with implementing a plan in practice to be successful on game day for specialists. So I, yeah. I really, I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I think on, you know, and then you, the other part of that question is we do meet uh, academically with them every Monday, but then you kind of hit on something in there a little bit where, you know, well, the coach never told me to do anything. So I just sat there. He didn't tell me anything, you know, and I think that's, that's not, that is not the mentality we want. And in the end, what I talk to our guys quite a bit about is, you know, when we get in the weight room as well, they're not going to do a kicker lift. They're going to do a team lift, right? And this is something I learned a long time ago. Um, but you want them as integrated into this team as possible. They're already isolated, right? They're already isolated just by trade. So the, the idea of he's in there cleaning and he's squatting and he's doing all of those same things. We're trying to build explosive, powerful, fast twitch muscle on all of our team members. We also want our kicker to be doing that and our punters to be doing that. But then they actually got to do more because now it's about right elasticity. And now it's about the ability for them to stay loose. And it's about ability for them to not become muscle bound and tight. So it's not that, Hey, I'm a kicker. I'm not going to, I don't do that. That's not, that's not it. Because then what you're doing is you're the kicker, right? So the kicker is going to either win or lose the game for us not the team win or lose the game for us. And when you're squatting and you're cleaning and you're doing conditioning at the end and you're doing everything and then some, then you miss that kick while well, our team lost the game. Kicker didn't lose the game, the team lost the game. And that's really, really important. If there's anything you know, that I would say to young kickers out there is just you're already on your own to some degree. Don't isolate yourself further because you don't believe you should squat or you don't believe you should clean or your dad said you shouldn't do this because his friends, that's not it. You're part of a team, right? I think that's the most important thing um, that I could just really, you know, relate to any specialist out there. Don't do less, actually do more, right? By, and, and stay healthy while doing more because in, in the end, just on practice alone, you're going to be doing less and that linebacker, that defense alignment, that safety, whatever it might be, your volume of practice will never even come close to their volume of practice, right? But you do have to take care of the one thing that got you where you are, which is, you know, managing your, your legs and managing, you know, the, um, the strength, again, elasticity, rest, all those things have to be managed by you, but that can't happen during practice or during a lifting session. That's got to happen somewhere else on the side. Couldn't agree more. And if I'm a high school kid right now, I'm taking note of that because it's very important in recruiting. If it's down to punter A and punter B and punter A is, you know, a soccer player. I don't like the weight room. I just want to go out there for the half hour during when I'm supposed to be out there. And punter B on the, you know, conversely is a part of the football team. He's also in the weightlifting team. He wrestles, you know, he's pound for pound, the strongest kid in his position group. That guy is probably getting the offer you know, in a vacuum. And if they're similar in ability, uh, I think you're going to go for the, for the one who's more a part of the team. You know, I love what you said is we should not be a separate entity. We're already an outlier in the position we play. There's only a few of us on a team, but we should do everything in our power to be a part of the team in every way we can. And, and the weight room is a way we can do that on the field. Obviously when we are involved in the team situation, we can do that team activities, uh, all these things that we, we are a part of the team, of course. And I think that if we separate ourselves, um, people will find fault in us when we, when we don't perform to their expectation. Yeah. There's a psychological thing in there too, right? Because if you are a little timid when you come in and you are just naturally kind of on your own, um, you know, that 
you have to have the confidence in yourself, right? And you have to, you have to probably be a little more outgoing and you have to probably make deeper connections with these guys, right? Because again, you're, you're sort of, you're, you're on your own a little bit. And I think that's really important. Don't sell yourself short and don't say I'm just a kicker, right? And definitely don't act like you're just a kicker, right? Like really you're part of a team, right? Act like it, believe it. And, and don't be afraid to verbalize that and, and be involved. Moink was founded by an eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted. And I actually agree. The best bacon, steak, chicken, and salmon you'll ever eat won't come from the grocery store. You'll find it on a family farm and caught by independent Alaskan fishermen. Join the monk movement today. Join monkbox.com slash believe right now. And listeners to this show will get a free bacon for a year with every box ordered. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. Okay. Um, Twitter, coach, has proven to be a powerful connection between high school athletes and college football, period. Unfortunately, high school athletes only see the best moments. Can you share the price student athletes have to pay on and off the field to be able to represent a university on game day? Yeah, well, I think that like all, like everybody on the team, you're, you're just held to a different standard than, than everybody else in the school, right? What is being asked of you, your time restraints, all the things that come with it are just very different. And I think, you know, um, it's nice to watch that kid make that, you know, that, uh, that game winning kick. I, I could just kind of go back to Cole Tracy who, you know, uh, you know, think about that team for one second though. There's the, you know, our long snapper, um, Zach Trinner is still playing with Tampa Bay, just won a Super Bowl, right? We had Cole Tracy, who was a kicker over at Assumption College, kicked more field goals than anybody in the history of college football, all divisions, anybody in the history of college football. And then Deontay Harris, who's playing currently uh, with the Saints, uh, he returned more kicks and punts than anybody in the history of college football. So you have two record-setting players on this same team and a long snapper that's still playing in the NFL. Um, it's pretty special, right? And I think that is just, again, from, from Drew Canaan and, you know, just the belief in special teams and, and, and those guys, you know, understanding that that's the glory that you see, right? But the work that goes into it, Cole Tracy, you know, came in as a freshman redshirted. And it was challenging. It was such a challenging moment for him. I remember we were on game five and we knew we were going to be a six and five team. And we had a, a very established uh, kicker who I think was an all American his senior year. And he was unbelievable, still a great kicking coach to this day. But I remember talking to Cole and him saying, I feel like I'm winning this job. And I was like, you might be, I said, but it's, you don't want this job right now, right? This is, you want this job in a year from now when we're, you know, 11 and two or whatever we're going to end up. That's when you want this job. And then you have a fifth year can, you know, thing to consider. And he ended up exercising that fifth year at LSU. But that was one that at that moment, how challenging that was for him to still go out there and practice every day and know that he was not going to be the kicker and still go get better every single day and understand he was getting redshirted. That was as, that was as challenging a situation as arose. But if we threw him in there, right, at that moment, he would not have had this storied, you know, career at LSU where he goes on and his first game kicks five field goals in Jerry's world down in Texas and beats Miami Hurricanes, right? That's not going to happen, right? And then he goes on and beats Auburn, like it's not going to happen. But there's challenging moments, right, where you just got to stay the course, right, and just continue to believe 
and know that uh, there's usually light at the end of all of those tunnels. But you're right, you know, Twitter and, and those things, just uh, a quick kind of bright light on it, or they destroy people, right, if they don't do well. And I think, you know, we have a, a kid here from Holy Cross that's a, a kick returner as well in the NFL right now named uh, Khalif Raymond, and, and, and he came and spoke to our team. And I just, you know, asked him about social media. And he said, man, he goes, I don't do it anymore. It's just not healthy to do. Uh, because you got to listen to all these people talk about you and, and tell you all these things. And he said, you just, if you're looking for validation, and I just saw this quote recently from someone else, I can't remember from who, they said, if you're looking for validation from people that you would not seek advice, then you're just, there's something wrong, right? You're just really messed up. So, uh, and that is the danger of social media though, right? Is that you're letting all these people into your head, right? You're letting all these people into your life that you would never, if there was a, group of people standing there talking the way they talk, you probably walk away from it. But here they are in your bedroom or in your office or in your living room and they don't belong there. So he eventually removed himself from that. But there is an unbelievable recruit, recruiting tool. It's an unbelievable connection tool and it's an unbelievable development tool. I love what you do on there. I just take so much from it and learn so much from it. That's that's beneficial. That's a huge, huge positive of it. I think you do have to eliminate that outside negative noise and just do your best to not partake in that that negative noise because it, it it is it's hard it's hard to come back from those negative you know negative situations and that's why we just stress positivity on our team because one negative interaction it takes three to four positive interactions you know to kind of uh, you know eliminate that right so I think it's negativity spreads a whole lot quicker and a whole lot easier than than positive thinking and and when you look through some of that stuff on social media you'd be you know just shocked there's very few positive tweets that come out from people and there's certain people that only tweet negative um you know negative things and i think that uh there's positives in it so i like again what you're doing i like the 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 learning tool that it presents but there are a ton of negatives and i just don't think you look at that end game and go cole tracy beat auburn well you gotta you gotta know his story and and what led him to that um and it's you know there's there's many ups and downs throughout it so um you know, this, this you got to stay the course in life, right? In general, period. And and I think that's the that's the thing. It's nothing's immediate, nothing's quick, and and if it is, it's probably not worth a whole lot. So I think uh, just understand when they see these, you know, great things. You know, just put them into perspective. And if you're not there, you're just maybe not there yet, right? Yet is the key word. Just focus on the work and get back to it. You know. I wanted to ask you that because it is such a powerful tool and it's not going anywhere because someone like me, if I'm a senior in high school and I have aspirations to play for Holy Cross, that I'm almost a couple of steps away, hopefully a DM from, from getting your attention. Um, and I think it's valuable for these young men to hear that, that it, it, it certainly shouldn't be validation. It, it should be a way to, you know, to be a proponent for yourself and to get yourself out there and, there's just like any other tool in life. It can be used for the good or the bad and focus on using Twitter as a tool for the better um, because there, there are easy ways to find the negatives to it. And I think that a lot of people resort to those things, especially the jaded individuals that are, that are envious of, you know, your pursuits or my pursuits or a young man's pursuits that may be a little bit better and getting that scholarship offer over him. You're gonna, you're gonna see negativity on there, but if you focus your efforts on, on the good side of it, uh, I think it is a wonderful thing. So I wanted to hear your perspective on that and I appreciate it. Um, I have a final question for you. Uh, there is, I often ask this to coaches and, and you know, this could be a one word answer. It could be a couple words, but I, I ask my guys that come on the show, what is one characteristic or quality 
that you consider a must when you do recruit a 22 or a 23 or a 24 student athlete? And, and why have you um, found that this characteristic or quality is of the utmost importance? Yeah. So for me, I, I talk about passion, right? I, I really think that is it like this. Do they love this game? Right. And not only on Saturdays, right. Do they love this game on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe special teams just isn't fitting into the schedule and the meeting is a 6 30 AM meeting. You know, do they love it then? And when you're playing a 12 week season, do they love it in week five, six, seven, and eight? Right. Cause that's the other question, right? Everybody loves the day one through three of football camp and everybody loves Saturdays, but do they love it in those other moments? And that to me is where uh, I really look for it. And, and with a lot of the other you know, positions, it's really one of those things that I want to sort of be moved, right? When I'm sitting in my chair watching the film, at some point, I want to just see true emotion, not a premeditated, you know, touchdown dance or something. I just, you, you want to feel somebody through that screen, right? I think that's it for me. And I often will we'll talk about like watching something and like sitting back a little, but then all of a sudden standing up because it, 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 you feel it, right? And that, that holds true in, in specialists, right, as well. And I think that to me is really it because these seasons are, it's not a four game season. And it's not all fun, right? Like it, it, there's challenges in there. And I think that to me is, uh, do people love what they're doing? Do they love it? Are they willing to put in the work and are they willing, if they don't have the exact results they want at that minute, are they willing to stay the course, right? Are they willing to stay the course and just get back to work? Right. It's a, I think it's a, you know, a, a, you know, a Brian kite thing that's out there, but it's one of those, you know, it doesn't matter, get better, right? No matter what it is, like whatever you, if you were great the day before, it actually does not matter, right? Find a way the next day to get better. And if you're really, really bad, it does not matter. Find a way to get better, but don't sell yourself short. Love this game, right? And if you're not there, you're just not there yet, right? And that, that's the, that's kind of the key word. Just get back to work and, and everything will be fine. So uh, to me, passion though, is, is the one thing that keeps people driven and keeps people um, alive and keeps people successful, right? Without it, I don't think there's, you don't think you got much. Agreed. You can look at any profession in life and you see the ones who are passionate going to work and you see the ones who are checking in and checking out to survive. And they usually don't last. They, they usually burn out themselves and you don't have time for a kid to burn out. You have to win. You have to win now. Uh, college football is a business. You know, it's a sport, it's a sport, it's a sport too, but you're in the business of winning and you need to win now. And you need kids that are young men that are, they're passionate. And like you said, it's going to be early often. It's going to be late often. It's oftentimes not on schedule because there's a lot of moving parts and we have to adjust accordingly. So I love what you said. If, if it's not a passion and a love of yours, uh, football, it, it probably won't work at the college level um, because it, it just takes so much, so much more than what we see. That's right. Um, So I want to thank you so much, coach, for joining. Uh, Would you mind sharing with the audience uh, how they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah. So I'm at at coach Bob Chesney. Um, So uh, C-H-E-S-N-E-Y. And, um, you know, I follow you. And so if they're following you, you know, they could they could find me on there pretty quickly, I think. So um, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you sort of hearing this story. And I hope there's something, you know, that someone could could gain from this, uh, especially the young guys you work with. Um, and if, I think the final thing too, I just like to say is as we go through this and, and in recruiting in particular, I think guys get really enamored by that, that highest level. Um, 
And I think that's great, right? But at the same time, you got to go somewhere where you're going to play. And when you look at that roster and there's five, six kickers on it, and you know that what comes spring, there's going to be four more walk-on kids. You might be the best kicker on, on that, on that roster, but are you even going to have the opportunity, you know, to kind of uh, showcase yourself? Are you going to get the reps and have the ability to showcase yourself? It's very important for us that we don't fill the roster, you know, again, with five, six, seven kickers. It's not what we're, what we're made of in the end three would be ideal, right? A punter, a kicker, and a backup to both would be an ideal situation. I think that's really what, you know, young men should be looking at as they move forward here, because um, believing in yourself is, is definitely, um, definitely what you should be doing, but there is a, a realism that I think should come with it. If there's seven or eight guys on that roster, you know, and, and you're looking at it saying, yeah, I got a spot, but at the same time, are you going to even have a chance, you know, to showcase yourself and, and prove yourself to those coaches? That's a, that's a big, you know, a big, big question. So um, I think find a place where you're valued, find a place where you can, you know, make an impact. And then, you know, when that opportunity presents itself, you know, make sure you're prepared. Couldn't agree more. And you, you gave a great example. Cole Tracy is a legend in college football. And had he been stubborn and reported to an SEC school right away, he may never have been Cole Tracy. Instead, instead, he chose the path that was fitted, suited for him, and it, and it, it started with you and it finished with the, uh, LSU. So I, I think that that's a great example of something in your career where you had arguably the best college football kicker in the history of college football who started on a path that was suitable for him initially, and then when the opportunity presented itself, yeah, he transferred to a powerhouse, and then guess what? He executed. That's right. Um, that's right. So, no question. I thank you again, Coach. It means a lot to everyone at 4th Down Focus that you were able to share a little bit about your story. Please give us a five-star rating, a review, subscribe to the show, and share it with a friend. If you have questions related to the podcast, suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you have feedback for the show, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, in several ways. My website is 4thdownu.com. On social media, my Instagram and Twitter is at 4thdownu. That's at 4thdownu. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find me by simply searching Dan Space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thanks again for joining us at 4th Down Focus, presented by Bets Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 2021 is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 